I'm back. I took a little break over the summer, but I'm back with Focus Faith Podcast Season 2. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Carrie Powers, and we're in for a good ride. What do you want? That is such a broad question and really quite difficult, I think, and challenging to really answer. And yet what we're going to look at today in our podcast is this is a question that is uttered by Jesus as he is encountering two disciples that are going to become his disciples. It is actually the very first question that Jesus utters in the Gospel of John. What do you want? So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that question as we really look at this bigger idea of what it looks like to follow after Jesus. And what does it look like to really be a disciple of Jesus? And do you consider yourself a disciple? So there's so many questions that we're going to unpack today, but that one is the first one. What do you want? And why did Jesus choose to ask this question? The journey with Jesus always begins with the act of following. Jesus called his disciples with a very short command, follow me. We have it recorded 13 times in the Gospels. Following Jesus is part of the relationship, but it isn't all of the relationship. It begins with following, but it definitely doesn't stop there, or it shouldn't stop there. But I think that we can often find ourselves a little bit stuck in this process of just following him. And we don't go much beyond that. And again, following is a great place to start. It's an important place to start. It is actually the beginning of the relationship that you're going to have with Jesus. But Jesus is calling us to a much deeper connection than just following. So let's look at the Gospel of John. We're going to start in John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. So I'm going to stop reading right there. So the very first question that Jesus asks is, what do you want? But this is the translation that, that we have. It is really not exactly accurate when you look at the original Greek. And when you really look at the original Greek language, it gives us a different idea of what Jesus is really saying here. He's really not saying, what do you want? So much as, what is it that you're seeking? Because that's what the original Greek word is. Zeteo, and I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but it's spelled Z-E-T-E-O. And it means to seek in order to find, to seek a thing. 
to crave, demand something for, from someone. So it's much broader, really, than just what do you want? He's really asking them, what is it that you're looking for, though? What is it that you're seeking? What is it that you want? He's asking them a question about the deeper part of their heart. Almost when you just read it, you know, when you're just reading the translation here, it almost seems kind of rude when Jesus just turns around and says, like, what do you want? You know, like, what's going on here? Are they following too closely? Like, I don't understand. Why would he ask them this question? But he stops them in their tracks with really a different question, which is, what is it that you're looking for? What are you seeking, though, in this life? So the relationship between Jesus and his disciples begins with a question, what do you want? What is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're looking for? So here's the kicker. If following after Jesus was the only requirement in the life of a disciple, he would never have asked the question. Because the men were already following him. So Jesus is always taking us deeper, calling us deeper, pulling us into an intimate relationship. And this question still applies to us today. This question of what do you want? What is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're looking for? See, because here's the thing. We can aimlessly follow, but we don't aimlessly seek. When you're really looking for something, think about kids. Think about kids looking for Easter eggs when you do the Easter egg hunt every year. They're actively searching for these treasures. They're not aimlessly wandering around. I mean, they might be if they're younger. Sometimes you have to help them, you know. But if they understand the concept of what is happening here and that there are treats in these eggs, then they are actively searching, especially if you put money in the eggs, which Gary and I have joked about doing with the kids because our kids are older now. So we don't get to enjoy those things like Easter egg hunts. And so we've actually toyed around and, and joked with the idea of putting money in the Easter eggs. But I fear that this would cause like pandemonium and, and a total like bite. And um, I don't I don't want to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to break up fights on Easter because uh, because I don't want to do that. But this is the concept here, right? You can aimlessly follow, but you cannot aimlessly seek. You know, I think about a pilot car when you're stopped in, con in road construction and you're just waiting. And then finally the pilot car comes and it even has on the back of it, it has that the, the poster board that says, follow me. So then you just follow. You don't even know where this pilot car is taking you and you don't even care because you're just following because you want to get past the road construction. So you can just follow someone, you know, just like sheep, aimlessly following. But Jesus is after something different from his disciples, from his followers. He's looking for the relationship to progress. And he starts with that question of what is it that you're seeking? The question in this beautiful covenant relationship between God and his children isn't, what does God want? The question is, what do you want? 
Because the choice on God's end was made at the beginning when he breathed life into you. He chose you from the beginning. The decision was already made. He knew that the the decision was going to cost him the cross and he did it anyway because that's how valuable you are to him. So his mind is made up. His choice is made. And I'll tell you what God wants, and that is you, totally and completely devoted to him. So the question isn't what does God want? The question is what do you want? And sometimes we get that mixed up as well. We get so caught up in this idea of what is it that God is looking for? What is it that God wants from me? When really, we really should be looking at our own heart because God has already answered that question. The question really is, and the ball is really in your court at this point. What is it that you want? What is it that you're looking for? What are you seeking? What do you do when you wake up in the morning? Are you looking for him? Are you searching for him? Do you want a closer relationship with him? That's the question. So that's what begins this conversation that we looked at in John chapter one. And there's another little hidden gem and and a, and a beautiful mystery also in these few verses that we just looked at. You see, because Jesus turns to them and says, what do you want? And then their answer, they reply back, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? But actually what they're saying when you look at the original Greek is they're using a very important word here. And they're using the word meno, M-E-N-O, which actually means abide or remain. It is in reference to a place, but it also means to continue to be present, to be held, kept continually. So what they're saying here, yeah, they're asking, where are you staying? But they're alluding to something else here, something deeper here. Because when Jesus took on flesh and became Emmanuel, At the very beginning of John, when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us or made his home among us, that word dwelt is actually tabernacled among us. So what we have here with John is this um, great mystery explained to us that that God has taken on flesh and he decided that he needed to he needed to reside with us. He needed to tabernacle with us. He needed to dwell with us. And now we have this this interesting word choice here when the disciples respond back with where are you staying? Where are you where do you abide? We have another reference because what's happening here is Jesus has decided to tabernacle with us. He has decided to take on flesh, and he's going to walk this earth for the 33 years of his life, but then he's going to move past this life, go back into eternity, and we will have the Holy Spirit in his place who will then also reside with us, and we will now house the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot going on here and a lot that's going to change. But this little mystery here with this word abide in these verses is important to us. It's going to be important to us. Because here's the thing. Anyone can follow. 
but not many choose to abide. The crowd followed Jesus. The critics followed. His family followed. The sick and the broken followed in hopes of a healing touch. The Pharisees followed with the hope of catching him in an error. But the disciples set up residence with him. The disciples abided with him. They physically stayed with him. During those three years of his ministry, they lived together They worshiped together. They ministered together. They lived life together. But Jesus was going to change all of that with the cross and with ultimately his ascension into heaven. Things were about to change or were going to change. They were only going to have him in the physical way for those few years. Just like we don't have him physically anymore. But we have access to this same invitation, which is we have access to abide with Jesus. So he asks us the same question he asks them, which is, what do you want? What is it that you're seeking? What are you looking for? And then his invitation is also the same, which is, come and abide with me, reside with me. So how do we do that? How do we do that? What does that look like? So we have to go to John 15 to understand what it looks like to abide with Jesus. John 15 is recorded after they have just finished the Last Supper, the Passover meal, and Jesus is headed to the garden where he's about to face his longest night before he's going to face the cross. And he is finding time to make sure to give these final lessons to his disciples. And he stops along the way and he pulls them aside and he begins this conversation in John 15, starting at verse one, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Or another translation says, abide in me. But that's that same word, meno, that we encountered in the first chapter of John. So remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other, in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. 
You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So, so much going on in those 17 verses of the 15th chapter of John. So much. And we are going to unpack those in the next few weeks. (laughs) We are going to really peel this apart and look at John 15 and really begin to take apart this concept of abiding with Jesus. And what does that look like? And how do we do that? And what is involved in that? And I mean, practically, how do we keep him at the forefront of our mind in this life that we live and look at all these promises that are sandwiched into these great verses here? So it's an invitation what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And why don't you just abide with me? And I will give you an abundant life. And not only an abundant life, but a life full of abundant and incredible supernatural fruit. Because that's what the Father is after, is believers and and disciples that are producing fruit. That's what he's looking for. So how can we be those kind of disciples. And that's what this really is about. The disciples walked with Jesus in the flesh. They abided with him in the physical, but this was going to change. Jesus would no longer be present in the flesh. And the call was clear. Abide with me in spirit. Stay close to me, even when my physical body is not with you. So what do you want? What is it that you're seeking? What are you looking for? When the answer to that question is Jesus, then the journey in this life really begins. Our eyes are open to the beauty and intimacy of a life with God when what we seek is Him. The mystery of abiding with God is found in the pursuit of Him. It is found when we seek Him above everything else. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jeremiah 29.13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Following results in a destination, but abiding becomes the destination as we mature in our relationship. So the journey always begins with following, but it moves to abiding and it hopefully ends with devotion because that's what we're looking for is we really do have to ask ourselves this question of what is it that we want? What is it that we're seeking? And then if it isn't Jesus, then let's just be honest about that too. Like lay that before him. I want it to be Jesus. It's not right now. Right now, it's all these other things. And then help, let him help you change your heart so that what you do seek is him. But we have to ask the question first and be honest with ourselves and be honest when we're really looking for the answer. So now I'm going to turn to John chapter 20, and we're going to see our... uh, Our question that we started the Gospel of John with, when Jesus says, what do you want to the disciples? We're going to encounter that again in John chapter 20. And John chapter 20 is the resurrection. It's when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb while it's still dark. 
looking for Jesus and she cannot find him. She's found the stone rolled away, but the tomb is empty. And I'm going to begin reading in John 20, starting at verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked. Who were you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the father. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. So in the very first chapter of John, when Jesus responds to the disciples, what do you want? That same word in the Greek, which we said meant, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Is what Jesus says to Mary when he turns to her in 15 and says, who are you looking for? He's really saying, what, what, are, you, what are you seeking, Mary? Who are you looking for, Mary? It's that same Greek word. So what you find here is the question, what do you seek, frames the ministry of Jesus like perfect bookends. The very first question spoken by Jesus in the Gospel of John, what do you seek, is the question spoken to Mary after his resurrection, what do you seek? So the question begins and ends with this, what do you want more than anything else? When we seek him, we will find him. And when we find him, we must abide with him. We cannot continue to blindly follow like sheep. We must move past this point in our journey and we must begin to abide with him. Mary at this point, Mary Magdalene was fully devoted to Jesus because the answer to that question, the answer to the question, what do you seek, Mary, was always Jesus at this point. It was only Jesus. It was Jesus above anything else. Because what you find here in John chapter 20 is she is completely devoted to him. That question given to the disciples in John chapter one, I, I don't even think they even knew how to answer the question at that point. They didn't even know what they were looking for. They knew what they were looking for the Messiah, but I don't think they knew completely that this is who they were looking at. But by the time we encounter that same question in John chapter 20 given to Mary, she is 100% devoted to Jesus. There's no question there that she's looking for him and she's not leaving there until she finds him. And that's the kind of devotion that Jesus is after. That's the kind of heart that Jesus is looking for. And we only get to that point in our journey when we've learned this, this, this idea of abiding with him. That's how we reach this point of devotion that we see with Mary. It starts with following, moves to abiding, and ends with devotion. That's the goal anyway. What Jesus desires of all of us is very clear. He wants us fully devoted to him, not merely following, but abiding. 
He wants us to become a disciple and learn the art of intimacy with Jesus. And that's my invitation to you as well as we continue this journey of abiding. And we're going to continue this journey. For the next seven weeks, we are going to peel apart John 15 and truly encounter and understand what this looks like and how do we put this into practice in our own lives. So thanks for listening and continue to listen. Continue to subscribe. uh, Leave me a review. Um, Thanks so much for taking time out of your day. It's been a blessing. And this is Focused Faith Podcast with Carrie.